It is uh, so good to be in God's house today with you as we finish up a year-long series on the book of Revelation today. It's been a tremendous journey. Um, Next week, next week we're going to do something a little different. We're going to have a week where we just have some question and answer on the series. So we'll have our worship and then I'll be up here with Megan and we'll just, we have some questions that have been submitted already. And if you haven't submitted any questions, you can email them to me if they're easy at joe at gracelifesrq.com. If they're hard questions, you can email them to me at meganmooney at hotmail.com. And uh, we'll be up there doing this next week. So I'm excited about that. And then after that, we're going to start a new series on uh, the book of Joshua called Go and Take the Land. And week one, the message title is Moses is Dead. So yeah, that ought to get your attention just a little bit, I hope. So this is going to be another great series. But this one in Revelation has just been so impactful on me. I don't know about you, but it's, I've really enjoyed preaching through it. If you've missed any of them, they're all on the YouTube channel archive. You can go back, catch any one of them. And probably in about 18 months, it'll be in the form of a book. It'll be a one-year, once-a-week devotional uh, that'll go through about a year. It'll take, probably take about 18 months. It's got a lot in there. So, But we're excited about all of that. And I just, I just want to thank you for your patience as we go through a book that is on the surface, it seems like it can be kind of intimidating. But actually, we've learned that it's not an intimidation, it's a blessing. So this is week number 51. The message title this week is Cherished Words. So have you ever received, uh, whether, you know, in a, whether it's someone you love or someone you admire or someone you interact with on a regular basis, have you ever received important parting words from someone? Can you perhaps relate to the curiosity of wanting to know the last words of someone you love and you weren't there? Like, what did they say? I want to know. Were you there? What were the last things they said? You know, maybe those words were like a critical final instruction about an important task that you would face or an important responsibility they left you. And they wanted you to be prepared. Maybe someone that you've relied upon for so many things, was about to move away, and you know that you wouldn't see them for a long time or perhaps ever again. How would you treat those words? I mean, like while they're talking, would you be on your phone checking social media and texting and take, I know this is important, let me take this call. Or would you cherish them? Would you put aside all distractions to make sure that you get every syllable, that you absorb every aspect of what it is they're trying to say to you? Would you feel honored that you are the one that had the privilege of receiving these parting words? Would you take notes? Would you somehow or record them or try to preserve them in some way so that they would be there for you in the future? And after the moment has passed, right, you've received those parting words, you have them, Would you just disregard the words? Or would you continue to cherish them and perhaps revisit them often? Would you keep them to yourself? Or would you want to tell others about these words? Those who might need to hear them. That's what we have here in Revelation chapter 22, the last 10 verses. It's Jesus' final words to his followers. This is the last thing... Contrary to what some may tell you, this is the last thing Jesus will say until the day he returns. Compared to any other, 
you would think that a farewell message from Jesus would be more important than any other farewell message, right? But it's ironic, though, the most important person in history provides these incredible parting instructions in this passage, but it might be, frankly, one of the most overlooked passages in Scripture. I mean, it's the last 10 verses of the Bible. Shouldn't we cherish these words from Jesus more than we do? Shouldn't we give them more significance? Shouldn't we revisit them more? Well, today in this last sermon in this year-long series on Revelation, we're going to try to give the final words of Jesus the attention that I believe they deserve. Revelation chapter 22, starting with verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. This is Jesus talking through the whole passage. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. But I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Okay, that was important. That's why I wanted to repeat it for you. Okay, you saw that, right? Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. The history section just really is very simple this week. What was Revelation's likely impact on the early church that received it? I mean, think about this. Just imagine our precious first century brothers and sisters in Christ undergoing tremendous persecution. Imagine the thoughts and emotions they experienced as they read together in community the book of Revelation, probably over the course of several weeks. Among those seven churches that first were receiving this book, the faithful ones were living under intense persecution. We've gone through that. They had been ostracized by Romans and Jews because of their loyalty to Jesus and the teachings of the apostles. They were in desperate need of encouragement Affirmation and inspiration to remain faithful, to follow the Lamb wherever He goes, no matter the cost. There are others within those seven churches that had very variants in their devotion from those who had become completely cold and apostate to truth to well-intentioned followers of Jesus whose priorities had become, shall we say, misaligned. Those individuals need revival. And from the moment the book of Revelation had been circulated among the seven churches, they would have all read it together in community like we have this last year. 
Together, they, just like we have, would have dissected its meaning, exploring its numerous, brilliant, beautiful connections throughout the Old Testament that we've shown you week by week. I've taught you that you cannot, don't even pretend to be able to read Revelation without your Old Testament open right beside it. This journey took them backwards in time through the Old Testament, all the way back to Genesis, revealing new understanding and new wisdom about the prophets and the law of Moses and the Pentateuch that they had never understood before. And just as it has for us, the complexity and the beauty, the beauty of what they read and learned would have left them amazed. There would have been a lot of, wow, or, oh, ah. They discovered a new profound spiritual understanding of the world. At this point, I would say that they probably had more insight spiritually and in the world of how it works than anyone else in church history. Perhaps apart from John himself, they have a greater comprehension of how the world functions. And they are now fully equipped with everything they could ever need to understand how God's plan of redemption is unfolding for them. They, more than anyone, now see the futility and ineffectiveness of any earthly kingdom or empire to provide any type of hope for humanity. This included mighty Rome, their beloved Israel, and any government that came before and any that would come after, yes, including our great nation. They all know how evil works now. They won't be so easily fooled, deceived, or distracted like the rest of the world is. <clears throat> they understand the dark forces behind it. They know what they do, they know how they do it and why. And no doubt, just as it has for us over this last year, something powerful is happening. I believe, I know what it was. I believe a revival was taking place in those seven churches. The faithful have been affirmed, given renewed inspiration to remain loyal and follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Those who prior, whose priorities were out of whack and out of line, they have been confronted. And now they are making necessary adjustments in their lives. Those who had grown complacent and cold in their walk with Jesus have been convicted of their sin and they are repenting. And just like here, those among the chosen who have yet to come to faith are believing in Christ, being baptized and experiencing transformation taking their place among those who will follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And by the way, there's room for more. I can't wait for our next baptismal service. At this point, the early church has everything they need to faithfully proclaim this beautiful gospel prophecy as they await for their precious Jesus to return. That's the history. Let's look at the theology or the spiritual part. What, what about God? What is he saying? What is he doing? These are, in fact, the parting words of Jesus. And now here at the very end of all those visions, they receive one more message from John. But this is different from all the other messages. The other ones were from Jesus to an angel to John. Not this one. This message comes directly from our Jesus. 
the very last words anyone will hear from Jesus until the day that he returns. So let's take just a few minutes and reflect on those final words spoken to us by our Jesus, those final words that will be the final words until he comes back. First of all, he says several times in this passage, I am coming soon. And by the way, when he does, he will reward the faithful and he will judge the wicked. And do you know why? Because the next thing he says explains why. Because he is the Alpha and the Omega. That's the first letter in the Greek alphabet and the last. He is identifying himself as the creator, the Genesis, the Alpha, the beginning, and the judge, Armageddon, the end, the Omega. As creator, Jesus is beginning of all things. Even more, what he's doing in this, he is declaring his ownership of all the things he's created. John 1, 3, the same author of Revelation says this about Jesus in chapter 1, verse 3. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. As judge, Jesus has the authority to judge the living and the dead and determine the ultimate destiny of every human soul. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 5. For the Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son. Did you know that? Precious, meek, lowly, loving Jesus is actually the judge and not God himself. 2 Timothy 4, look what Paul says. Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. His authority to judge the wicked means it is Jesus alone who decides who can eat from the tree of life and who can't. And Jesus sorts out those who will dwell inside of New Jerusalem and live with him and those who will be banished outside the city. And he lists those who will be banished. The authority of Jesus to judge who is in each group. It's an undeniable, constant reminder to the righteous that we are no longer slaves to unrighteousness. We are set free to live in righteousness until he returns to come get us. The next thing he says is revelation. He says, I've given this to all the churches. Revelation is for all the churches. Jesus says he is the one who sent the angel to tell John these things so that the churches would hear it. He wants all the churches to know all the truths that are revealed in revelation. Not just the seven. And then he says something beautiful. He says the spirit and the church will proclaim. Okay, this is great. Okay. He says it is the Holy Spirit through the bride, which we know is a symbol for who? Us, the church. The Holy Spirit through the bride are those who will proclaim the gospel prophecy and invite those who have ears to hear to drink freely from the river of life, that living water. You understand what he's saying? Jesus is saying his final words are, you, the church, through the power of the Spirit of God, are now my voice in the world to proclaim my parting words. Us. I mean, Jesus does have stuff to say, but it's this through us. The spirit and the bride proclaim. And then the last one is a pretty dire warning. He says, don't mess with my prophecy. (laughs) Everyone who hears this prophecy, the gospel, has a direct, specific warning about how these words should be handled. And over over the years, and we've mentioned it a few times, there are many 
who have mishandled God's word. They've polluted it. Or they've denied scripture so that it would fit their purposes politically, economically, or socially. Disregarding God's purpose of the gospel, which is to call people out of darkness into light. Jesus says those who add to the gospel or create a new one will face the same judgment that it reserved for the wicked in this book. We need to be very careful when we read what God's word says about righteousness and judgment and blessing. We can't leave out one or the other. We talked about that last week. Remember the gospel prophecy that cannot be destroyed or messed with. Those who neglect or seal up or hide or ignore anything in the gospel, they will be among the wicked dogs banished outside the city. This is why theology is important. Then the last final words from our Jesus, for the fourth time in chapter 22, he reminds us he is coming soon. You know, because they were tempted to choose between survival and faithfulness to Jesus, John's readers desperately needed these parting words. That's why Jesus appeared to John. To reveal and to remind them and us that remaining faithful to Jesus will be worth it. Personal section this week. Do you cherish these words? This was the preview. Waiting for Jesus to return won't be easy. Until then, his final words will inspire and encourage us every time we read them. I believe that these last words from Jesus should be preached more often. They should get our full attention more than they do. But I think because it comes at the end of a book that intimidates a lot of people... It doesn't really get much play. I mean, think about it. Why wouldn't we at least take maybe 60 seconds once a week to go back and read them again? Is that so much to ask? I mean, they provide inspiration to follow Jesus with urgency, anticipation, and confidence because he is coming soon. They provide a motivation to constantly evaluate your passions and your priorities. Making necessary adjustments adjustments early before you get too off course. Before you begin to stray too far so that you can remain in full, faithful devotion to our Jesus and to the rest of his church. These words can keep you focused on real, eternal hope and our life together with Jesus, along with the rest of the redeemed in New Jerusalem one day, along with the tree of life and the river of living water. That is so much better than the empty hope that this world is promising you, is it not? These last words from Jesus, if we go back to them often enough, can immunize us from anxiety and anger and resentment over the latest news headlines, the the latest political drama, or the painful trials that come from living in this world. These words retrain our focus on the good news of Jesus Christ. His final words remind us to keep proclamation of this gospel prophecy the highest priority 
And let's, let's be honest. When life starts to get hard or busy or distracting or painful or heavy, it's very easy to be distracted by this world and let our proclamation fade. But I believe reading these final words regularly will feed our desire for his return. <laughs> to live as though he really could come back any moment. <laughs> that would have been cool, right? That would have been good timing. I'm just saying. I don't have that kind of power, but you know, I was just hoping. Because <laughs> you know, just like the rest of us, Revelation, these final words from Jesus, they aren't just for the first century church. They're also for today. Blessed is the one who reads aloud these words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. You know, so many avoid Revelation because they are intimidated by it. Some of you have told me that you have for years. It might be too confusing. Many of you have said that to me. If we have learned anything over this last year, it is that we don't need to be intimidated. It's really, although it's got a lot of stuff in it, it's quite simple. For a year we have learned that Revelation, listen carefully, it's not about decoding hidden messages to predict future events or Jesus' return. It's not about identifying whether a vaccine or a microchip is the mark of the beast. Stop it. It's not about deciding which politician is the Antichrist. It's not about determining which nations are evil and which leaders are up to no good. Newsflash, they all are. Revelation reveals how behind the scenes every government is under the spell of the evil one, yes, even our great country, no matter what party is in charge. It reveals who is behind all the evil in this world and how he operates, and it equips us to see past his lies. It exposes the futility of human wisdom and the foolishness of placing hope in any politician, in any system, or any philosophy. No matter how promising they may appear, none of them will ever deliver lasting prosperity and lasting peace. It's all a mirage. It reveals that followers of Jesus, for us, life makes so much more sense when our first allegiance is to him, doesn't it? It reveals how God's past Present and future actions clearly demonstrate that he remains in complete control of all of it. It reveals that Satan and his minions are powerless, even in this tribulation, which we are all partners in, as John says, those evil forces are powerless to thwart God's redemptive plan for his chosen. It reveals that the Holy Spirit is actively marking and drawing his chosen into his kingdom despite the chaos of the nations around us. Can't stop it. It reveals how to recognize the spirit of Antichrist, but more importantly, how to spot when the spirit of God is at work. It proclaims Christ's victory over evil. It promises his imminent return. 
and how the forces of evil know that they are doomed. It reveals that once his kingdom is full and all those the Father has given to him finally do come to him, Jesus will return and eradicate that evil and he will heal creation from the carnage of human history. And throughout, basically, here's what Jesus is saying. Pay attention. Stay faithful. And why? Because I am coming back. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's really hard to argue with that passage, isn't it? So how should our reading and our studying of Revelation over this last year, how should have it impacted you? How is it that you should be specifically different now than before? How can we be like the first century church who no doubt were transformed by it? I think this verse in Hebrews sums it up pretty well. We'll love and encourage one another and we will meet together often and we won't neglect it like those who don't follow the Lamb wherever He goes. For me, this journey, me personally now, as your pastor and as a person, just as a man, for me, this journey has severely diminished my affection for this world. It has amplified my loyalty to Jesus and my loyalty to you, my precious church family. It has me more committed and more excited than ever for what God is doing in this precious little church on 17th and Lockwood Ridge. It has taught us how important it is that if we are truly followers of the Lamb, wherever He goes, we won't neglect one another. We won't neglect gathering. We won't neglect encouraging. Instead, we will want to meet as often as possible. Why? So that we can love one another relentlessly. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. You know, I believe just as it did for the seven churches to whom it was written. I see it. I believe Revelation has sparked a revival within our church. You know, revival isn't just about an emotional decision where you cry and all that kind of stuff. That's cool, but that's not really what revival is. Revival is when behavior is changed. Many of you have expressed and frankly demonstrated a dramatic shift in how you intend to live in this world because you know how it's going to end. Many of you, and I love this, are discovering anew what it really looks like when you finally understand what it means to follow the Lamb wherever He goes. I've witnessed numerous examples here in our church of significant changes in your priorities, your obsessions, and your passions. Its words, Revelation, has inspired many of you to follow Jesus like you never have before. And to others who are not yet following, there's still room. We invite you 
to follow the Lamb, be a part of our family and the kingdom of God. The process of reading and studying and preaching Revelation has been such a blessing. Just as John promised in chapter 1 it would be. He said, blessed are those who read it. Well, you were right, John. (laughs) I don't know about you. But I don't ever want to go back to seeing the world how I used to see it before this series. What a miserable way to live. From that perspective, this last section of Revelation, indeed every word before it in the book, these should be cherished words until Jesus returns. Dear Jesus, come quickly. But if you don't, we'll be faithful. We will follow you wherever you lead. We will encourage one another to good works. We will love one another. We will gather together. We will worship. We will pray. We will preach. We will proclaim. We'll live with integrity. Because we know this world has nothing for us. It's the one to come that we are living for from this day forward.